You are now listening to the Superhero Education Podcast, featuring Professor Eugene Pitchford and Dr. Steve Gurner. We are real educators tackling the real topics in education. Listen to be informed, inspired, and entertained. With no further ado, here are your hosts to the Superhero Educators Podcast. We want to welcome everyone to the latest edition of the Superhero Educator Podcast. My name is Eugene Pitchford, but I'm not important right now. We have Steve Garner. Welcome, everybody. Thrilled to be here, like always. Look forward to a conversation, a robust conversation on education. Let's start it. You want to introduce our special guest? It's all you. All right, so I want to introduce one of my favorite human beings on earth. He's stubborn, but he's passionate. He's a good educator. I think I was a better football player than him. Quite possibly. He's one of the best deans of students in the nation. So if you have a dean of student, students, or if you are a dean of students, you might want to pay particular attention to this show. Because for you guys tonight, we have a special interview. We have my main man, Will Turner. Will, how you doing, man? Man, I'm doing all right. Uh, just, I don't know, it's kind of like a, oh, like a, like a nostalgic feeling I'm having right now. Uh, just flashing back to Struggling to wake up for a Gurner 7 a.m. class. <laughs> getting presented with an opportunity to get some extra credit. And that's how I fall and meet you. So, I mean, this is, this is great for me. You did it. One of my favorite students of all times. Passionate. Uh, loving. Just, I, I like the word fierce because it was fierce. Will's fierce on the, on the football field, but more importantly in children's lives. And that's what... Uh, the reputation he's built up is to, to fiercely battle for all students, and uh, that's that's a great uh, claim of fame right there. Thank you. And what appreciate I like about Will is if he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. So I always appreciate that about Will. But Will is all grown up now. It's like yeah. little Michael Jackson. Now there's big Michael Jackson. There's Will Turner. Will, you're grown now. Michael. I'm not sure the Michael Jackson. Yeah, the Michael Jackson was a little awkward. I couldn't think of nothing else. Uh, you could have said the best I could do. Michael Jordan, like you could have said uh, Michael, like Michael Jackson. Yeah, you kind of look like, like the old Michael Jackson. You know, but right. Will, but Will is all grown up now. Will um, works at one of my favorite schools to visit. And it's not that just Will works there. He's one of the main leaders. So, so Will, take us from, before we get into what we want to talk about, take, take, tell, take us on a journey. How did you get into education? Because everybody doesn't know that story. I mean, I know it, but the people out there don't know. And I don't even know, if the, Dr. Gurner may not even know some of this. But how did you get into education? Like, what was the moment you decided I'm going to do it? But just, just share your share your path, sir. All right. So 
it really kind of all started for me um, when I was in about like the seventh grade. Um, my dad was actually um, incarcerated for a little while. Um, and I like, I didn't have as many positive male role models in my life as that I like that I wish I had. Um, so I kind of grew up thinking like, I want to be there for kids in a way that I wish somebody was there for me. You know, people did what they could, but I was, I'm not their kid. So like they wouldn't be there in a way that I needed at that particular time. So for a good chunk of my life, it was literally just me and my mom as like the biggest like support and backbone um, in my walk. <clears throat> so fast forward to when I graduated high school, um, I was like, yeah, this is my, ch this is my shot. I'm going to go in. I'm going to go in as an education major. I'm going to figure this out. Like I'm going to be just like those great football coaches that are also like a teacher uh, and, and like a mentor to kids. Very similar to what I had, uh, you know, through high school. So then I started off in education. I did it for a good year and it was just a lot that wasn't explained to me before I jumped into it that made me think I need to, if I want to be there for kids, I need to figure out how can I be the best me to be there for kids the way that they, that the way that I want to be there for them. So then I took a step out of education and picked up criminal justice because it was a way for me to secure a job in the future. And it also, it gave me the opportunity to um, really create my own nonprofit organization. So it really, like I said, it just gave me the time to do that. So along with um, going to college, being a college athlete, um, I also had the time to start my own nonprofit organization um, and just kind of like navigating myself through that and took a lot of bumps and bruises through that. But, you know, I learned. So upon graduation, I graduated a criminal justice degree and I was pursuing an opportunity of employment at a particular school that wasn't in the end it didn't work out the way that I wanted it to work out which was like a growing lesson for me uh, which you know everything in life is a is kind of a growing lesson you learn and you move forward so when I was upset because uh, the particular school that I wanted to um, work at um, didn't basically tell me they didn't have a spot available for me I was, I was highly upset about that and kind of was trying to figure out what do I do next? Um, do I put all my eggs in my, in my nonprofit bucket and just keep going forward with that? Do I try to find another career out here? Um, but then I was presented with a wonderful opportunity. A, a gentleman by the name of Justin Armitage um, just had a conversation with me and said, like, you know, this guy that was starting a school and that I should have a conversation with him. And uh, my first thought was, you know, I don't, I don't know if I want to jump into something new like that. Like I don't have the experience to, to be in a particular role and I just don't know, you know, I, I know how to be a good person, but I don't know where I see myself even in a, in a school building, you know? So from there, I uh, had great conversations with some folks. Um, another gentleman that I talked to that put in a good word for him is a guy named Jim Daka. Um, between those two, man, those are some, some guys that I really look at as mentors outside of the two that I'm on Zoom with right now, um, with Steve Garner and Eugene Pitchford. Like, I, I found what I was looking for in many different people, and I just kind of, like, 
put it all together in, in myself. So I took a little bit of what I knew and what I learned from Steve Gurner. I took a little bit of what I knew and learned from Steve Taylor, from the Eugenes, from the Jim Dakas, from the uh, Sean Spruers, you know, and I just took everything that was great about them. And I tried to take that and put that in myself. And even like some stuff that was great that my dad did with me, I try to put that in myself. And now I, I'm still working on the finished product of myself as I'm guiding my way through this role in education. That's a great story, man. And, and what I like about that is you started with education, you stepped away, and then you got back in. Like, and, it, and it, this is like this is a like a perfect lesson for for anyone that um, your passion will find you, right? Yeah. And your path may be different from your friend's path, so don't give up keep pushing. Like, I think this is the ultimate, ultimate success story of a person going a different route, a different traditional route to get what they want. Like, I think it's a fascinating deal because we get so locked into, uh, we get so locked into one way or and if it doesn't work, we fall apart. So man, I uh, uh, applaud you big time um, for, for doing what you do, going the route that you took. Maybe take less advice from Steve Garner and maybe more from the others, but I, I applaud, like, I applaud you for, the, the, like, the path that you took. You beat Turner. me to it. I was just waiting for you to be quiet for one second so I could jump in and, and add the 90% Gurner, 10% Pitchford should be what you take. But I, I appreciate the idea that what you're setting up for yourself is any obstacle that comes, you can reflect and keep pushing forward on and then gather the people around you that are going to help you and then eliminate some of the, the toxic people. I think that's, that's a skill set that's going to continue a, a trait that's going to continue to go forward and propel you con forward for other things as well, other possibilities. So right. that's not only good for you, but that's good for everybody listening to look. Because what you mentioned is you need a core group of people. You're going to be faced with some obstacles. Keep going. Use the people around you. And then uh, keep going forward and using your God-given gifts. That's that's great advice. Yeah, yeah. That's I want to go one more thing before we really get to what we want to talk to you about. Okay, so you did that because I think this is important. Like we're just setting up a baseline and an understanding, mm -hmm. so people can really get into what you're going to say a little bit later. So, but will so so now you're on the job. Yeah. Like you're literally on the job. How did you figure this out? Like, this is what I need to do. Here's my space. I'm going to grow here. I got a strength here. I got a weakness there. Like, and I know you're competitive. So I know you were looking at, okay, you're judging your effectiveness versus other people who have trained for four years in college to be a teacher. Like, so explain being new on your, in your position. Yeah, that was, that's like a rough part. You know, that's like something I'm still navigating through like to myself now. Like I, I measure my own uh, levels of effectiveness versus people that I look at as great. You know, I stack myself up to stories that I've heard about you. You know, I've, I stack myself up to stories that I've heard from like the, the folks I mentioned before, you know, the Jim Dak is like the, the, the Justin Armitage. Like I would literally think back to a time like, Okay, what would what would this person do if they were in that predicament? Um, and I try to make my decisions based off of that, you know. And then also, like, I think my competitive nature is kind of what helped me 
figure this stuff out on the fly because it like how I jumped into this, there was no training manual for this. There was nothing like when a kid does this, you do this. It was, I, I figured it all out on the fly. And I started to figure out, I went from responding to things in a way that someone else would respond to it to responding in it, responding to it in a way that I would want someone to respond it or to respond to it to me. So every time I have like a situation with a student, I literally put myself in their shoes as they're telling me the story. And I try to figure out like, what would be something that someone would say to me to kind of like fix that. And a lot of times, like, I think there's like a misconception about the role of a Dean of students. Like, yes, you're, you're, the Dean is supposed to be like the disciplinarian, but a write-up isn't going to fix a child's behavior. Having a sit down conversation and being, and, and being completely transparent with that student and letting them know like who you are and where you came from and why you care so much. That's the real key. And that's the game changer between, in my opinion, being someone that's a good educator and a great educator. Like a kid has to relate to you in order for you to be great. And one of my favorite phrases to keep that in perspective is you always want trust versus fear, mm -hmm. right? You want that trust factor to relationship because a lot of times teachers and administrators and deans and students try to do the fear factor. I'm going to be afraid. Will's a good get uh, a bigger guy, a strong guy. Maybe we should be afraid of Will. Students aren't going to be afraid because they know the limitations that teachers and administrators have. So you want trust versus fear. I respect Will. I respect the, the mission of where we're at. I respect and love him and care for him. Therefore, I'll listen to him versus the fear. And if we're still working in fear, uh, fear is how schools used to run when you had corporal punishment and other forms of discipline, not saying it was correct, but fear was fear. Was fear. Now it needs to be trust versus fear. Right. Yeah. And Will says something real important that a behavior incident, the write-up is not going to change the behavior. I think that's something that I hate to say it this way. I'm trying to say it politically and nice, but I don't know how to say it nice. But I think that's something many people get confused. I'm going to mm -hmm. write this kid up, and when he comes back, he's going to be fixed. Nope. It just doesn't work that way. I'm like, I don't mean to break anyone's heart out here, but any good administrator would tell you that. Like, The real secret sauce is in the relationship between the student and the teacher because Will could get the kid to behave in his office, and it's fine. But what happens when they're not in Will's office? Like that relationship still has to function. So, all right, so Will, we brought you here because you work at a faith-based school. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how far you went into this because I'm getting old, so I don't remember, but uh, it's a high school and it's all males. So it, it, it catches our attention because there aren't too many schools like that in the, in the area, in, in the city or in the suburbs. And because of your clientele, there's probably a number of things you all have to go over and cover and talk about that maybe some other schools just don't have to talk about as much. I think, and we've had a very weird summer yeah. and a very weird fall as far as racial unrest, tension amongst race, 
racist, violence, the fortunate deaths of in Kenosha, Breonna Taylor, Jacob Blake, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd. Do your students, like, do your students talk about it? Like, is it a thing? Like, do they ignore it? Does it affect them? Like, are there problems in the classroom because of it? We're not, and I don't want you to give us the, the like, the secret details of your building, but, like, just, just talk in general. Like, where are your students in all of everything that's happened? So I think it's a little bit different for us. Like, even to that point of us being an all-boys school, I mean, we can kind of – well, with us being an all-boys school and a lot of our admin staff, a lot of our staff, period, looking like our students and coming from similar areas, like I literally come from a, the same area that most of our kids are coming from. Uh, I think it's it it brings up that that level of trust and we can actually have some genuine conversations when it's someone that trusts you. So like we, you know, our, our homeroom uh, classroom is a little bit different. Um, a lot of, like I remember in homeroom, in high school, we really, it was just a whole, basically a holding spot before we went to our next class. Now, we have a lot of genuine discussions between homeroom and assembly. So we, like, that's a lot of times where the kid that you would not expect to have, like, a strong opinion about something really, like, voices his heart because he trusts you in that, in that group of students that you're with versus him saying whatever he has to say in a full population, uh, like a full student population uh, situation. So I think with us having that relationship with a lot of our kids, it, it makes a lot of these conversations easier. Um, and a lot of times, like, I'll, for example, there's kids that come in with, in my opinion, their parents' perspective and their parents' opinion. They're just taking the information that they hear and they're regurgitating it, but not actually feeling the way that they're saying that they feel. So we talk about the research and the information behind it. So they're saying like, oh, this happened and such and such and such and such. Okay, pump your brakes because I want you to say that in front of me so that you, you can look crazy in front of me. But when you go out into this community, I need you to know what you're talking about. So you take that point, you write that point down. Now, we do the research behind whatever, you know, argument or whatever situation that you're talking about to find the real. And then we break down your statement versus what's real and what's actually opinionated. Cause the real world does not care about your, the real world does not care about your opinion. They care about facts. And that's something that I, it, it I had, I, I didn't learn that until I became an adult. Steve. If it comes from Eugene, I'm not sure the real world cares about fact or opinion. Well, what? Nothing, <laughs> his answer has nothing to do with me. <laughs> I'm saying the real world's not ready for Eugene. I don't care if it's fact or opinion. <laughs> so, Will, let's go to your Will's world. What you're you're saying your school does it well as you reflect on on other high schools in the city across our country. Is this something on race and racism and these discussions? Is that something that you'd integrate into the curriculum? Um, I'm on both sides of the fence with that. I do feel like 
current events and what's going on in, in the United States is something very important that kids should know. Um, but I think, and I think this is where I'm going to land on. And I think teaching kids how to do their own research is what's important. And then giving them the voice to talk about their research. Inside the school day as, as requirements, this is what we're going through. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like, Give, I think I, I think schools should require students to voice their opinions based off of actual facts. And I so think Will, that, I'm a new teacher at your building, and my mm -hmm. name is Steve Garner. And like you know, I just I just want to teach. Like all that other stuff, like doesn't affect me. I just want to teach. Like, what would you say to that? How would you help that teacher that? They're not for or against anything. They they just want to teach. All that other stuff is noise. Like how like what is that conversation like with that in, with that teacher? Well, I would just be real and say the population of students that we deal with on a day-to-day -day need more. Um, they're coming from middle schools that they don't get the more. So now they're in high school. This is this is the last stop to Paris for a lot of these boys, right? And I think before we get ready to put them out into the community, there's certain life skills that need to be taught. And I get there's certain teachers out here that just want to teach, which is great, but I don't think the building that I'm at is for you if that's what you're looking for. And I it's like okay. that. I like that because that shows you're intentional. I like that. Let me follow up one more before Steve goes. Good. So... What, what, what happens then in the scenario of, I'm just not comfortable talking about like the police shootings and racism and uh, things that have been going on all summer. I'm just not comfortable. So I'm trying to avoid it. Excuse me, sorry. Um, that's a rough conversation. I mean, as, a, as an African-American male growing up, there's a lot of things that I want to avoid, but I, I can't. So as an adult, you have to be okay with being uncomfortable in front of kids and helping navigate them through things that they're dealing with. Because at the end of the day, like, they don't know. It's so much that you, like, adults think kids know, but they don't. So if you don't teach a kid how to, like, project his thoughts he will never like have the opportunity to project his thoughts. He will just do what he's used to. And a lot of times, like our kids are just used to, I, I win arguments by being louder than you, not by actually presenting a valid point. And I don't, think I don't think that's productive. I don't think if you can't logically prove your point and you can't talk with, you can't use the words that you know and kind of ex explain your thoughts it's hard to be successful in this world that we live in. So you argued the case for your school, and I agree with that, that it needs more you, more than the math and reading. It has to be, the, and this ties into the relationship piece. It has to be, we have to talk about the current events. We have to talk about what does that mean with presenting it logically, leadership, right? I would, I would involve leadership as part of the umbrella of all this. 
to be a strong leader, you have to know what's happening in your world. You have to advocate for things. You have to have your opinions logically presented. What about, what about the schools as, as people are listening to the podcast in Kansas, Oklahoma, parts of northern Wisconsin, parts of suburbs of Chicago, where it's all white, middle class, or, or, or very low racial diversity as far as students of color. Make the case or say it doesn't matter. Are they, are they required to include the social justice pieces, racism, talk about what's happening in our communities? What, what's your opinion on that, Will? Um, I, I believe so. I strongly believe so. Because, I mean, I went to a predominantly white university for college, and there were so many conversations that I had with people that only saw people that looked like me on the news. Mm-hmm. And so what they see on the news, doesn't that says nothing to who I am as a person. It says nothing to the character that I'm coming at you with. So... And to be honest, I can't really fault you because that's what, that's all you see. That's all you know. So no one ever taught you the other side of the coin. And I think that I don't really think it matters, black, white, yellow, whatever. You have to know what's going on in the world that you live in. Because eventually you're going to see somebody that looks totally different from you. You need to know how to react. Yeah, all right, Will. Steve, let me hop in because this is, this is a good thing. So, Will, I'm trying to say this delicately. Put I'm it on. trying not to get in trouble here. <laughs> I'm trying to keep you and Steve out of trouble. So I'm going to ask this question delicately. He is a sensitive person. I have realized that. Very I'm, sensitive. I'm, hey, look, I'm a man of the people, and I'm sensitive. I acknowledge it. <laughs> it's okay to be sensitive sometimes. Will? He's a sensitive soul. But here's like, but hold on, Will, because you, you you know, after I ask, you're gonna know exactly what I'm talking about. So I'm trying to like really work this delicate delicately. I think I know what you're talking about, but yeah, gonna... so let me ask this question. And I'm just trying to think of how to say it nice. Um, this... oh, Will, said, uh, so at times you will get a teacher that may not have had experiences with black students. And they may be a little scared of black folk. Don't you raise your eyes at me. Don't you do it. I'll, I'll take my belt off. You'll get a whooping right now or like on in the podcast world. Don't you look at me like that, Will. One of my mentors told me, am I a boy or I'm a man? He asked me that. Often. I did ask you that. Yeah, I did ask you that. But Will, like, how do you help teachers that may have a fear of black folk? Well, that's a that's a strong. Oh, I hate asking you that one, but I had to ask. No, it's okay. That's a strong conversation to have. I mean, it it starts with just like literally sitting that person down and just saying like how you feel can be offensive. Because you feel that way and nothing has happened to you. You've just seen it. And now your perception on people is completely different when no one did anything wrong to you. So it's a, it's a, 
it's a heavy conversation to have. Um, it, it's a conversation that, that comes with a lot of prayer um, on both ends because that particular teacher has to be a very strong person to say how they feel. And they have to be really transparent, which is that's, I mean, that I mean, that's a small victory too because they're able to even be comfortable enough to say how they feel in front of you. So now that you know how they feel, you for one, as an adult, you always got to keep it professional, but you have to have that conversation now because in the environment that you may work at, there's no room for that fear because kids sense fear and kids react based off of your fear. When kids sense fear, they tear up the classroom. Exactly. There's no way you can be effective if you're scared of, the, of your students. There, there's, ah. It's not possible to be effective. I would debate you on that, Steve. I've seen some people in fear, and because they were in fear, they taught some amazing things. I, 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 would, I, would, I, would I doubt it. Not too, because I, like, you don't know who's afraid until they say it. I've seen some great teachers that, that some really awesome teachers that have had opinions that really threw me completely off. Now, like Steve, I would have been with you if like this, like pre my job now, I would have been so with you. But because of where I'm at in my job and the things that I've seen and kind of like navigated myself through, I'm on the other side of the fence. Uh, scared or racist actions. See, I think people can be, have some racial, racist attitudes and be effective, not saying it's right. But if you're just scared to approach, how do you build the relationships if I'm scared of you? That, that seems extremely difficult to build a relationship because then I have to keep my distance and just, it's more artificial. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. But I've learned in this world that we live in, it's a lot of people out here that really know how to fake it until they make it. Mm. Mm. So they're faking, they're faking that they're enjoying it or faking that they, they're not scared and trying to get through it. That's interesting. That's very well, interesting. I think certain people may see the greater good in what they're doing. Like, mm. um, so they're, they're, they're living in a sense of uncomfort, uncomfortable, like they're living in a sense of, they're dealing with the situation that's uncomfortable because they know what they're doing is, is in the long run is gonna help a lot of people. Hmm. That's very interesting. Because chapter one of our book talks about the whole idea of a calling, teaching's a calling. So that's what you're referencing there, this whole idea that teaching is a calling but I'm letting that overshadow the idea of my ineffectiveness in some area. That's, that's an interesting point. So Will, I'm not asking you to answer this for your school, but since your school is faith-based, like, so don't answer for your school, like just in general terms. Does a faith-based school have a better opportunity than a public school to engage conversations and, uh, and 
elicit student feedback and address concerns for racial unrest? I feel like to an extent, yes, because certain things can be talked about in a religious um, educational facility versus a public educational facility. Like when you go to, when you, when you kind of navigate yourself in a public setting, there's certain conversations that you can't get into the weeds with. Like you just can't talk about it, right? Like you can acknowledge it, but you can't talk about it. So a lot of public settings, it's, it's more lecture based. Like I'm telling you what's going on versus let's talk about what you see. And that like, and that's not even coming from, that's coming from Will Turner, the, the high school student, Will Turner, the, the college student, you know what I'm saying? Will Turner, the master's student. Like I was able to have more conversations than what I was if I would have went to a public setting. processing that i didn't know you were going in that direction well let's keep talking about that for for a moment what's the what's the negative of bringing these conversations up have you seen any negative point with the with the religion because i my i my thoughts right now personal thoughts are the church is, is I know what it is. I almost want to say it for you, but I know what it is. I believe the church is. Let me say it so you don't get in trouble. Let me say it so you don't get in trouble. I don't want Steve to get no, in trouble. I don't, I don't mind. No, I don't bring mind. It, bring it all to me, eugenepitchford.com. Like, bring Eugene, it all to me. So, Eugene's but Garner is really trying to say, Steve. Uh, Eugene's my friend, so I, I feel fine. I, I feel protected out there. Yeah, um, so this is what Garner is saying, I think. What he sees. And it's very similar to what I see is that faith-based schools, K-12, run from anything, race, social justice, uh, equality, equity. They run from it. They put their heads in the sand or will, now I'm going to put you on the hot seat, or will they do what your high school did, say the most out-of-control stuff you could possibly say and have the whole community against them. Yeah, I said oh, it. Oh, oh okay. Uh, you talk. You yeah, talk about I, school that I was a student at. Got you. Um, okay, so to that, like, there are different people that run the school, like, on a day-to-day -day with students. Then, like, the people that run the school on a day-to-day -day are completely different people than what, than who makes the statements. So the management of the school, like the overall managing, controlling board or administrators above the school day to day, that makes sense. So from the, the school that I was a, a high school student at, um, what happened inside of that building was completely different than what the media is showing and talking about. Like, don't get me wrong, there was racism. There, there's going to be racist, like race, racial situations in just about every environment that you go to. That's something that's, you can't avoid that. But when it comes to a situation of like certain statements being made as like a representative of the school, 
No one that was in that school on a day-to-day basis was the person that made that statement. Yeah, but then the school, but but everybody else feels the pinch of that though. Regardless of who, regardless if they're around it or not, it's a representation of everyone. You're right. It's not fair. It doesn't mean it, it, that's just what it is though. The person, like, the person. So you're that's saying all, what, Will? I'm confused. The person that makes the statements for some of these particular schools is not the same people that were in the building. So that person that makes this particular statement has doesn't have the, well, I ain't gonna say it doesn't have the experience, but well, yeah, doesn't have the experience of what goes on on a day-to-day in that particular establishment. That's like me being a person completely outside of your classroom, right? You have the relationship with your students. You go back and forth with your students, but I'm the one that makes the, the statement for Eugene Pitcher's classroom. I have, I'm not in your classroom. Sure. But There's I'm the one that- There's a disconnect. And, and I think that what the problem is, because we're so segregated racially, in our churches on Sunday, this is one of my theories, we don't interact in that spiritual realm unless it's in a religious school. I, and then we, we start, we're silent a lot of times because we're so segregated. So in the, in the white churches, you go, hopefully this will pass all this race and racial social justice stuff. I hope it just passes so we can get back to other things. That's the thought process. And then in the black churches, they're like, this is something we have to address and talk about. But the two never, they never have to mix because we're segregated on every single Sunday. Unless you're in a religious school where you can start tackling it. So I, your answer made me happy thinking about the benefits of, of the religious schools and, that, and your experiences. I just see that we have to be the church has to be vocal about it and take this opportunity. And I see too many running from it and going, it'll pass, it'll pass. And God, I sure hope it passes quickly because I don't want to talk about it. And I, and that's the wrong approach. But I mean, even with schools that I've been a student at, they would rather let things pass than give the voice. And I think that's totally wrong. Yeah. So how do you give voice, Will? Because like, Someone's listening right now, like, you know what, Will? I agree with you. I'm in the same type of school setting you are in. Mm-hmm. How do I give that voice? Because they don't want us to have a voice, not us as black folk, but they just don't want us as educators to have a voice. How do we give a voice, but also respect the institution that we are in? I think the best route for that is telling kids all the information that you have on that like just being completely transparent like if i'm if i'm the if i'm the leader of a classroom and i want my kids to have a voice i'm going to say look i want you guys to say whatever is on your heart but you have to remember when if, if something were to get out that statement isn't coming out as eugene pitchford it's coming out as student of such and such educational facility says this It's true. That's true. So you have to teach both sides of the coin, but not even like, and I'm just going to be real too. Like, I think some, I think sometimes you, you have to make mistakes. Like a, a, a kid has to be able to make these mistakes and hit that bump in the road. And 
things have to blow up in that kid's face for them to see and learn. Cause I would rather, I would rather that mistake happen as a 14, 15 year old kid than a 24, 25 year old adult. Kids can make those mistakes and it'd be okay. Cause they'll just learn. They'll keep on moving forward as an adult. That's going to carry, that's going to be with you. They can make those mistakes as long as they have Will Turner or other loved ones around them that can help them out through that. If they make the mistake without a, a loving adult or a mentor or somebody around, then it could be damaging even at that age. True, true. But that's what it goes back to that trust piece that we were talking about earlier. Like, if you're a leader of a classroom, your students, all your students have to trust you as an educator. Because mm-hmm. you don't on at that person's house and you don't know you you will never know until that kid tells you so you can't you can't feed them information if you don't know their environment in my opinion i think eugene does a great thing with all of his students he tells all of his kids to send them a playlist so that he can see the things that they're listening to and that kind of helps him with his relationship with that particular student like yes it's it's an icebreaker or what have you but that icebreaker, that, that, that minute that it took you to listen to that song or that, that can change a, a student's outlook on you as a person. Now, oh, he listened to the same thing that I listened to. Now I feel like I can, I can really be myself around Mr. Pitchford. You'd be amazed. Well, once that you the- start mentioning the positive things Eugene is doing, it's almost like we're done. It's, it's almost like we got to stop the podcast right now. Hey, but, but I, I got a serious question. Like, so we, we gotta we gotta just ask this one question, and then I then I have some small follow ups. But but will I got you? I got you, Steve. I got your text. Um, what for for a teacher to be successful in your school? What are the top two things? Because like, there's someone listening right now that you know what I'm inspired. I want to work in an urban ed environment, whether it's public or private. But in your case, it's private. What are two things a new teacher need to have right off the top to be successful? I got three. You got to have a thick skin. Thick skin. All right. So people out there take notes. Will said thick skin. Because these kids are going to say some outrageous and potentially hurtful things that they will not mean. Like they'll say it, but then feel so bad for saying it an hour or so later. But they said it. They put it out there. That's one thing. You got to have a thing. All right, we got you. Give me number two. Second thing, you got to have patience. Thick skin and patience. And then the third, and like, these aren't even coming in a particular order. That's just how I'm saying it. But the third, and this may even be one of the most important pieces, you got to know what it means to show grace. Thick skin, patience, and grace. So when you're saying grace, are you saying like, hey, hey, guys, like, you know, like, you know, we're all one blood. Like, come on, guys. Let's get it together. We're all one blood. And it's going to be okay. Is that what you mean by grace? Go into like a whole different, different voice right there. You go into a higher voice. Your mannerisms change. Very interesting. I mean, come on, guys. Like, you know, we're all one blood, right? Is that what you mean by grace? No. What I mean by grace, I mean, you, you, you can't get hung up on things that a kid says. You got to show them love. No matter how, how much you don't want to show that particular person love because of the, the garbage they're putting you through, the, the, the garbage they're saying to you, 
you got to remember, you don't know what their at-home life is like. So if they're actually at school saying some of these crazy things, they must get some crazy things said or done to them. Absolutely. A lot of times the definition of grace, we talk about undeserved love, which would fit your definition, Will. So that undeserved love is, is grace. Uh, you may not deserve it at this time, but I'm still going to keep pouring it on to you and keep loving you. Yeah. Hey, Will, before we get out of here, I need to know your best Steve Garner story. Oh, okay. Um, like, like, Will, like, I need you to go deep. Like, I need the exclusive. I need the best Steve Garner story. I can't go too, too crazy, but I got one that, that's, like, at the top of my mind. I kind of hinted at it before. So, now, mind you, when I was in college, I was a completely different person than what I am today. There was a particular time where I would just, I'd probably take, like, a week off of class. <laughs> I'd still submit my work. The work was getting done. Like it was it was always done on time. But I couldn't get I could I can't get there at seven o'clock. I can't do it. So this one time I literally missed like a week and a half of class. I came back to class. Gurner makes me do every single example. And I'm pretty sure like Wait, was he your was he your professor for this class? Yes. Okay. And he made me do every single example in the Teach Like a Champion book. Oh, Half God. Oh, God. Well, I don't know what some of this stuff is. He's like, well, I need you to go up there and do this example. Can I read it first? No. Here's the name of the example. So, I, what, what, and this is not mind you, this is in front of the whole class. I'm like, so how am I supposed to give an example on something I don't even know what it is? Well, if you were here last week, you would have found out. Now get up there. Bro, what? <laughs> I like that story. That's an exclusive right there. I like that story. And I could tell freshman year as I had Will as a student that he was going to be dynamic and he was going to be a powerful teacher. I, 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 and we don't know the path. It took a little longer. Like you, you navigated in the, or talked about in the beginning that how you navigated through in God's plan. Um, but I could tell right then and there, the love for the students was evident even as a freshman in, in college which is very hard to see in freshman in college, but you could tell it's, I, I'm going to, I'm, I love and have a passion for children and I'm going to make it happen. So. Because uh, the part was, I was getting thrown out there, not knowing what I was doing, but I got all the examples right. And that's why he, <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't uh, class, do what I was talking about. That's right. That's right. That's an amazing story. See, Dr. Gurner's really out here in these streets teaching. Like, Dr. Gurner's the real deal. That's what I love about Dr. Gurner. Like, he, he, he's gonna make you work for it. So, I, I knew you had an exclusive. I, I have never heard that story before. So thank you for sharing that story, Will. Hey, no problem, no problem. I'm here, I'm here for the stories. Anything else you got, Dr. Gurner? No, no. Um, I'm just glad this is a special show. It's, it's great to uh, come full circle, see as a student, and now you're, Will is, and, and for our listeners out there, this is happening all around our country. There's, there's remarkable people in college coming out, making a difference and impacting students' lives. And it's between life or death for a lot of students. It really is. Uh, and, and Will's making that difference 
And we have to continue to figure out how do we encourage more people, more wills out there from maybe we need to recruit in the middle school days to get the next group of teachers going, but we have to have that next group of teachers ready to go. And we have to work on that together. I just want to say on the podcast, and I, and I tell them this often, I'm so doggone proud of Will. Um, I'm so doggone proud of his accomplishments. I'm so doggone proud of um, his effectiveness and, and making an impact in his school community. Because there's a lot of, I'm going to be honest, like y'all can get mad at me. I said it, Eugene Pitchford. There's a whole lot of weak uh, deans of students. So I see him all the time. I'm not going to name names, but there's a lot of weak ones. But when you have ones that are making a difference and that really, really care and want to get better and want to leave a legacy behind, I pay attention to that. And I'm just so proud. Like, I never, I don't think I've ever had Will in class, so I can't claim him as a student like Dr. Garner can. But I'm just so proud of Will. And, you know, you got to say it publicly so people can hear it. So, Will, super proud of you. In, in, in the things you've done thus far in your short career, especially not being in an education major, like you do stuff better than education major. So super proud of you. So um, just accept it. Um, I know that makes you uncomfortable, but just, but just, but just accept it. And Will, this is how we close out our show. Um, we give space for everyone to pitch whatever they need to pitch, to give a shout out, whoever you need to give a shout out to, um, but most importantly, Will, in doing so, in doing those things, we also need you to uh, make sure people have a way of getting in contact with you some way, in some form. So I'm going to go first. Dr. Gurner is going to go second. And that gives you time to get prepared for the third piece. All right. So I want to give a shout out. I want all of you to go right now to Amazon.com. In the keyword search, I want you to type in the book SuperheroEducator.com. It is on sale right now. Dr. Gerner, myself, wrote that book, highly acclaimed, all over the country. The book takes us all over the country, so uh, we need you in that piece, 15 Ways That Makes Educators like Very, Very, Very Successful. You need to go get that book now on Amazon.com. Cleveland, not Cleveland, Los Angeles Lakers in four. I, I also need to say that, too. All right, go ahead, Dr. Gerner. So we had Will Turner with us on our Superhero Education Podcast. Will Turner, a fierce fighter for all children and a lifelong learner, making a huge difference in Milwaukee and a great role model for you around the country as well. Like to always highlight the Center for Urban Education Ministries, a national nonprofit organization that works on strengthening urban education across our country. So get connected with the Center for Urban Education Ministries at cuemnational.org. Will, what do you have for us? All right, so I got a couple of things. One, I wanna give a good shout out to the two people that I'm on Zoom here with. Um, these are two people that I say, you know, God placed in my life to help me develop as a man. Um, I also wanna show love to the staff that I work with. Um, just being able to be around them and learn from them is something that's great. I want to shout out the kids that I work with because day to day I have to learn and get patience for myself. Um, I also want to shout out uh, my lady. She's great. She's awesome. Um, I also want to shout out my family. 
Will, how can people get in contact with you? Good friend of mine, uh, Rico Griffin. He designed this shirt. He's a CUW student. So I, I wanted to make sure I rocked this shirt for him as I'm out here. So um, good ways to get in contact with me on Facebook. I'm available. My first and last name, Will Turner. Um, if you want to contact me by email, turnerjr.50 at gmail.com, T-U-R-N-E-R-J-R.50 at gmail.com. Well, I got one more thing. What's up? And, and Dr. Gurner is going to want to hear this. And you have to do it, Will, because we're your elders. So you can't say no. You ready? No. So are you going to say no? What, what's up, man? So you can't say no. Do we agree with that? Because Dr. Gurner and myself are pulling filing rank here. Not agreeing with that, but okay. Will, we want to hear you do a freestyle. Ah, can't do that. You know, I could tell a story about uh, uh, your potential career path down hip-hop and how that went. Yeah, but you never heard it. So there's no story for you to tell. I did. You it's impossible. I got one word. You know, you remember that time you went to the mall? No. And a, and a famous uh, rapper? Oh, that's rap true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I stand by that. That's true. You can stand by it all you want to. You don't believe that story? I'll say it on air. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Oh, yeah, that's a true story. That, that's yeah, it's great. And then also, we got to tell the good people about the, the lyrics that you used to drop in the Concordia uh, cafeteria. You've <laughs> No, you've never heard me rap. Hot freestyles all day. You and Trey. You and, I'm you sure and I can freestyle better than you right now. You can. Hey, if you want to get that on air, we can do it. You and Trey Hickam. Okay. Yeah, I'm not talking to Trey. Yeah, Trey never rapped. So, um, so Will, we, we definitely appreciate you, and, and, and you, you're one of the people that we definitely root for. I mean, we root for all educators, but we put in a, a, a special thing for you because um, we see where you came from, we see where you're going, and we, and like, we can see your path probably a little bit beyond what you can see. So it's just such a pleasure for Dr. Garner and myself um, um, to interview you. And um, we want to encourage you and your school community just to keep pushing forward. We know these are trying times, but we have faith in you. We have faith in your school to do the right thing. So um, on that note, if there's nothing else, will you hang on the line? To the listeners out there, we are out. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to our Superhero Education Podcast. We hope you gained valuable insights and key concepts to battle the chaos and save the day for all students. Boldly transform lives and be a superhero educator.